0: History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Just off the coast of Scotland stands a castle high up on a rocky cliff overlooking the sea. Dating back to the 13th century, Mingary Castle held key naval and military significance and was said to have been used to fend off invaders for centuries. It was abandoned about 200 years ago, and after that the structure fell into ruin. Back in 2013, workmen began efforts to restore and preserve the castle as a historical landmark. About a year after work had begun, builders discovered something unexpected. There was a hidden passageway in the north wall closest to the village of Kilcohen. This passage opened up into a secret chamber that archaeologists believed had remained hidden for over 500 years. What was even more surprising was that inside they found fragments of human bones. Despite what fantasy books and movies like Harry Potter might tell you, most ancient castles don't have hidden chambers of secrets. Historically speaking, most castles were built to defend against outside invaders, so there often wasn't a lot of thought put into building in secret backdoors or other potential weak spots. That isn't to say that hidden rooms inside castles don't exist, though, but secret rooms like the one found in Mingrey Castle are exceedingly rare. In late September 1066, Duke William II of Normandy crossed the English Channel and led his army to victory at the Battle of Hastings. Within the decade and a half that followed, the Normans had spread their influence all over England. Perhaps the most permanent and obvious mark they left on the country was something we commonly associate with England, the castle. Prior to 1066, England had plenty of other defensive structures. There were Iron Age hill forts, Roman fortifications, and entire towns fortified by the Anglo-Saxons but it was the Normans who brought the architectural concept of what we would think of as a castle to England. The first castle was built in Pevensey near Hastings, where William the Conqueror would go on to defeat Harold Godwinson, a.k.a. Harold II, the last Anglo-Saxon king of England. That very first castle probably wasn't what you would think of when you hear the term. It started out as a wooden tower with a tall fence around it, but over time, William's people replaced the wood with stone. Then they made it taller and more elaborate and from there those architectural ideas soon spread throughout England these new stone structures were built to last some of them still stand today as a matter of fact even after many centuries in fact that very same central tower that William built is still there and is currently one of the most culturally significant locations in all of England you may know it today as the White Tower the oldest section of the Tower of London The Tower of London has lived many lives. After once being the key stronghold under William's command, the place has also been used as a zoo for exotic animals, a museum, and home to the Royal Mint. Today thousands of tourists visit the tower each year to see the crown jewels. But prior to 1952 the Tower of London was used for a much more grim purpose, a prison. Political prisoners were kept in the tower dating back centuries. Just a few of the most notable people to have ever been incarcerated there include Sir Walter Raleigh, Henry VIII's wives, Catherine Howard and Anne Boleyn, Guy Fawkes, and even Queen Elizabeth I. In 1674, the skeletons of two children were discovered hidden in a wooden chest that was dug up after the demolition of a staircase leading to the Chapel of St. John. I'll very likely do an entire episode on the Princes in the Tower one day, But the short version goes that after Edward IV died in 1483, his brother Richard III became regent, meaning he was king in every sense except for the actual crown, while he waited for Edward's nine and twelve-year-old sons to grow old enough to take everything away from him. It wasn't long after that when Richard declared the boys illegitimate and had them imprisoned in the tower. It wouldn't be until those two small skeletons were found in 1674 that anyone had any evidence of what may have happened to them after that. What precisely happened to the princes in the tower remains a mystery to this day. Of course, the most obvious explanation is that Richard had them killed in order to prevent the older boy, Edward V, from ascending to the throne. But, in truth, no one knows for certain. Nor if even those two small skeletons found inside the wooden chest were really them. One thing that is often claimed, though, is that ever since, the spirits of two young boys have been seen and heard throughout the Tower of London. During World War II, a warder and his wife were awoken in the middle of the night to the sound of their young daughter screaming in terror. The couple rushed to their little girl's room and had to calm her as she hysterically told them she woke up to see two little boys sitting on the foot of her bed. In 1992, Tower guards reported hearing the creepy sounds of children giggling in the middle of the night from somewhere just outside their view. Then, in 2015, an amateur ghost hunter claimed to have snapped a photograph of the tower which shows two blurry shapes that resemble two small boys, one slightly smaller than the other. Whether the Tower of London is haunted or not remains a matter for conjecture. I mean, let's face it, castles and ghost stories go hand in hand, almost as much as stories of castles and secret passageways do. But there's another story I'd like to tell you about a castle in the Scottish lowland, which does have more than its fair share of ghost stories associated with it. But perhaps the most interesting tale isn't that of a spectral figure appearing in the night, but of what may have been a real creature made of flesh and blood. A creature hidden away in the walls of Glam's castle that may have been at the heart of a terrible secret. I am Nate Hale, currently haunting the catacombs of a Paris opera house hoping someone will write a musical about me one day. And this is The Conspirator's. The further back you go, the murkier the history of Glarm's castle gets. Based on ancient ruins discovered on the grounds, it's believed there was some sort of religious center built about a mile south of the current castle that dates back to around 600 BC. The first building built on the actual site where the castle now stands was a hunting lodge owned by Scottish royalty, and probably consisted of a fortified house with a wall surrounding the courtyard. It was on this site that King Malcolm II was mysteriously assassinated in 1034. Shakespeare mentions Glarm's castle in Macbeth even though Shakespeare's play predates the real castle by hundreds of years. The present castle didn't begin construction until the 14th century. It was built around a central tower with walls that were as much as 16 feet thick in places. Sir John Lyon married the king's daughter and he was granted the land and title of Earl as a wedding gift. After that it became home to a long line of earls, although by the 18th century it appears most of the family had given up on the remote drafty castle and left it more or less empty. But Glarm's castle didn't stay empty for long, and for a period beginning in the 1840s dark rumors began to circulate that there was something living within the castle's walls. Even before the rumors of the monster of Glarm's began, the castle had begun to gain a dark reputation as being haunted. When the Strathmore clan left the place in the late 18th century, an estate manager was put in place. In 1790, the writer Walter Scott spent a night in the castle and came away from the experience shaken by what he described as the castle's oppressive atmosphere. In 1830, he wrote of the sleepless night he spent listening as he heard door after door slamming shut by themselves, even though the caretaker had long since retired for the night. He described his night in Glarm's castle as being too far from the living and somewhat too near to the dead. Rumors have persisted ever since the castle was built that the very land it stood on was haunted. One legend claims that when the original builders first broke ground around 1372, they did so on a nearby hill that was rumored to be the home of the fairy folk. When the builders returned to the site in the morning, the stones they'd carefully arranged lay scattered and broken. They rebuilt the walls, but the next day the same thing happened and again the day after that. They finally decided to move the spot they were building on when some of the workers began claiming they heard a supernatural voice telling them that this was an enchanted spot and building on it was strictly forbidden. Another legend goes that the devil himself once played cards at the castle. One Saturday night in the 15th century, Alexander Lyon, the second Lord Glarms, better known as the Earl Beardy, got drunk as a skunk and became swept up in a card game against his friend, the Earl of Crawford. One of Earl Beardy's servants tried repeatedly to warn the men that the Sabbath was rapidly approaching and they really needed to call it a night. But Earl Beardy grew furious, shoving the servant out of the room and shouted back at the servant that he'd keep playing until doomsday. Midnight rapidly approached and the very devout servant kept pounding at the door trying to stop his master from sinning. Earl Beardy raged back at him to leave him alone and that he'd play the devil himself if he showed up at his door. Then, just as the bell tower chimed at the stroke of midnight, there came another, more quiet knock at the chamber door. Curious, the Earl Beardy opened the door and peered out. He was surprised to see a handsome stranger standing there, completely dressed in black. The stranger asked if he could come in and join the game. The terrified servant had long since fled to his bedchambers, but he could hear boisterous laughter and loud voices echoing through the halls long into the night. According to the legend, when the servant finally worked up the courage to check on his master and the Earl of Crawford, he was horrified to discover the charred remains of both earls still seated at the table and clutching their cards, while the mysterious stranger was nowhere to be found. Another famous ghost that is said to haunt both the family chapel and the clock tower is that of the Grey Lady. She's said to be the ghost of Janet Douglas, the former Lady Glarms, who was burned at the stake for being a suspected witch in 1537. She'd been accused of poisoning her husband, John Lyon, a few years before that, although she was later declared innocent and allowed to marry again. However, her allegedly murderous reputation stuck with her, and in 1537 she was accused of attempting to poison King James V, as part of a much wider conspiracy involving her brother and several others to bring down the monarchy. The charges were clearly false. Nonetheless, she was locked away in the Edinburgh Castle dungeon where she was tortured and eventually burned at the stake. Even today, there is still one seat always left empty in the chapel that is reserved for Lady Janet. Yet another tale tells of the ghost of a young black servant who was badly mistreated and now is said to be seen peering forlornly out the castle's windows. Then there's the story of the secret and of the tongueless woman. Legend has it that each generation of earl who lords over the castle passes down a terrible secret to each of their male heirs as they come of age. No one knows precisely what this secret is, but one story goes that a serving maid stumbled upon this terrible secret and threatened to expose it. The Earl ordered that her tongue be cut out and then they killed her. It's said that the woman's ghost can still be seen running throughout the castle, screaming silently with blood spilling from her mouth. But what could that terrible secret be? Whatever it was, it's been claimed that the secret was so terrible the 13th Earl's son flatly refused to allow his father to tell him. Many of the rumors surrounding this terrible secret suggest it involves a secret room inside the castle's walls. There's a story claiming that back in 1865 a workman was doing renovations when he accidentally knocked through a wall revealing a secret passage. Curious, the man ventured inside and saw something that scared the living daylights out of him. The hallway was dark and it was difficult to see, but he could make out some sort of strange shape at the end of the hallway that he cautiously approached. But then, when the shape suddenly moved, the already scared workman turned tail and ran for his life. Afterwards, he told his employers what he had seen. That same day, he was purportedly paid a large sum of money, ordered to keep his mouth shut, and quietly shipped off to Australia. It's said that in 1486, the Ogilvy clan sought shelter in Glarm's castle from the Lindsay clan after a feud broke out and the Lindsays threatened to kill every last one of them. According to the story prior to the Ogilvy's arrival, the Earl had struck a deal with the Lindsays so when the Ogilvy's showed up at Glarm's, The Earl ushered them into a hidden chamber, then he locked the door behind them and left them to starve to death. Weeks later, someone decided to open the secret door and clear out the bodies, only to discover one family member was still alive, but just barely. The man had gone insane as he'd had to eat his other family members in order to survive. When Walter Scott wrote about his terrified night spent in Glarm's castle back in 1830, even he said he believed there was a secret room hidden within the castle's walls. Although one thing he didn't mention was the persistent rumor that the room may not have been empty. And instead it may have held a prisoner inside. Someone who lived there his entire life. The first reports of this mysterious prisoner don't appear until sometime in the 1840s. In 1908 an author published an article in the journal Notes and Queries that when he was a boy some 60 years earlier he'd been told that Glarm's castle had a secret chamber and within that chamber was being held the rightful heir to the title and property. Only this child had been born so hideously deformed, the parents chose to lock him away forever. In 1850, it's said that the Earl and his wife hosted a huge celebration at the castle. That morning, the men gathered to go off hunting, leaving their wives behind to entertain themselves. Now, these women had all heard the stories about the secret room Walter Scott had written about, and one of them proposed they make a game of it in trying to find it. They gathered hundreds of white cloths, and each of them were given a stack of them and sent around the castle to tie up each rag in one of the windows. The women spent the better part of the day making sure they'd placed rags in each of the windows. Then they headed outside to inspect their work. They began walking around the castle looking carefully at each window. Sure enough, they eventually noticed one window in particular high up in one of the castle's towers that didn't have a white rag hanging from it. After that, they all rushed back inside the tower, looking for the room that corresponded to that particular window. But try as they might, they were never able to find it. Now, the specifics of just who this mysterious prisoner might have been are a little harder to pin down. If the stories are to be believed, then he would have been part of the Bose lyons family, the rightful owners of the estate. The idea that any parent could be so cruel as to lock their deformed child away for life might seem like something out of a gothic novel. But consider that after the First World War, Catherine and Nerissa Bowes-Lyon, who would have not only been part of the then-Earls family, but also cousins to the Queen herself, were both born mentally disabled, and both of them spent their lives locked away in a series of mental hospitals. So knowing this, one can only speculate what could have been considered so terrible that the family might have locked a child away inside the castle's walls for his entire life. (laughs) There are only a couple of accounts describing what this so-called monster of Glarms might have looked like. One description from the 19th century said the monster resembled a human toad, and that he was said to sometimes leave his secret room at night and wander the battlements in a section of the castle that is still known to this day as the Mad Earl's Walk. Probably the most detailed description of the monster of Glarms comes from an account written in the 1960s by British writer James Wentworth Day, who wrote a history of the Bowes-Lyons family. Wentworth Day heard about the legend of the monster from several family members, and it was from them he pieced together the story. Even though the monster was born the true heir to the castle, he was born so hideously deformed his visage terrified the few people who ever laid eyes on him. According to Wentworth Day, his chest was an enormous barrel, hairy as a doormat. His head ran straight into his shoulders, and his arms and legs were toy-like. But however warped and twisted his body... The child had to be reared to manhood. Now, of course, the term monster gets used constantly with this deformed child. But if the rumors are true and the Earl really did lock his own child away, then you have to wonder who the real monster was in this story. According to the legend, when the 12th Earl returned from his hunting trip with his pals and learned that his wife and the other women had gone looking for the secret room, he was furious. Supposedly, the couple soon divorced, and much like that unnamed workman a few years later, she too was paid off and sent away. She died in Italy and never spoke of her experience again. Some stories claim the hidden room is located in the chapel. Others say it's in one of the castle towers, which would check out if the story of the Earl's wife and the White Cloths is to be believed. Another story dating back to the 1880s claims that a celebrated London artist visited the castle and was allowed to stay the night. When her host inquired how she slept the following morning, she told them she would have slept more restfully if only the workmen they'd hired wouldn't have kept pounding on the walls all night. But the Earl and his wife then fell deathly silent. The Earl asked the woman to please never repeat what she'd heard. The trouble was, you see, there were no workmen in the castle that night, and there hadn't been for many months. Another story that ran in the New York Sun in 1974 claimed that a young doctor was invited to stay inside the castle for professional reasons. On his first night in the castle, he was led to the Blue Room and left to unpack his things. That's when he noticed there was something off about the way the carpet was laid in one corner of the room. There appeared to be something underneath that carpet he couldn't identify, so he pushed aside some of the furniture and lifted up the rug, only to reveal a trap door underneath. The doctor was fascinated, and he couldn't resist investigating further, so he lifted open the trapdoor and lowered himself inside. Down below led to a short passageway that ended abruptly at a blank cement wall, but although the wall looked solid, he couldn't help reach out and touch it, and that's when he discovered the cement was still wet to the touch, and he left behind the impression of his finger in the cement. He climbed back out of the hidden chamber and went back to bed with a whole host of questions he wanted to ask the Earl in the morning. But he never got to ask those questions because the following morning he found an envelope someone had slipped underneath his bedroom door in the middle of the night. Inside the envelope was a check for his services and a note informing him there was a carriage waiting for him outside that would take him to the train station. The note concluded that his services would no longer be required and that he was to leave the premises immediately. It was actually a British diplomat, Sir Horace Rumbold, who first wrote of the incident involving the 12th Earl's wife and the white handkerchiefs after he visited the castle in 1877. According to Rumbold, the 12th Earl was a heedless man of the world with few prejudices and possibly still fewer beliefs. But Rumbold said the man's sons were much more serious-minded individuals and that whatever terrible secret their father told them on their 21st birthday must have weighed heavily on them. According to an article published in the Penny Illustrated paper in 1866, a house guest walked past the newly restored chapel, only to look inside and see the 13th Earl kneeling and praying in front of the altar. He was still wearing the same evening clothes he'd had on the night before, which indicated the man had spent the entire night there, praying for forgiveness. Although some accounts of the family during this time say they were generally happy and boisterous, That sense of happiness only seemed to extend to the children, not the parents. Lord and Lady Strathmore were reportedly extremely reserved and often seemed to be overcome by a deep sadness. A local bishop once went to Lord Strathmore and tried to get the man to open up about whatever it was that troubled him so. But Lord Strathmore only told him that he was deeply moved by the man's concern, but there was nothing the bishop or anyone else could ever do to help him. Whatever this terrible secret was, only a handful of people appear to know it. In 1870, a close friend of Lord Strathmore named Andrew Walston was at the castle when a terrible snowstorm struck. Naturally, the couple insisted the man stay the night, but he flatly refused. Something scared him so much that he insisted the servants help him dig a path through the snow off the estate. It was Virginia Gabriel, a noted singer from the late 19th century, who later recounted a conversation she'd had with Lady Strathmore "'about the castle's secrets. "'Lady Strathmore told Gabriel "'that she'd been baffled by Ralston's behavior "'that snowy evening "'and later asked him about it. "'All he would tell her is that he knew "'what the secret of Glarm's castle was "'and that it is fortunate that you do not know it "'and can never know it, or if you did, you would not be a happy woman. "'So did Glarm's castle hide a secret prisoner? "'It's impossible to say for certain.' But if true, some historians even think they may have identified the so-called monster of Glarms. Records show that on October 21st, 1821, a baby boy was born to Thomas and Charlotte Lyon Bowes. Thomas was the son of the 11th Earl of Strathmore. And like his father before him, he too passed on the family name and named his baby boy Thomas as well. But those same records show the baby died the same day as his birth. And it's interesting to note that even though the records show the baby died, no tombstone can be found for him anywhere. Thomas and Charlotte went on to have another son the following year. This child, whom they named Claude, was healthy and he grew up normally in the castle in the bright light of day. It's terrible to think that he may have had a brother who was forced to remain hidden from everyone, living forever in darkness. On April 1st, 1882, a number of British newspapers ran articles claiming the mystery of the monster of Glarm's to have been solved. Most of those articles claimed an unidentified elderly body had been quietly carried out of the castle and buried without ceremony. The fact that these articles all simultaneously appeared on April Fool's Day, though, makes them all appear a little suspect. That's a problem with a lot of these stories from Glam's castle. As you may have already noted a lot of these stories rely on hearsay and third- and fourth-hand accounts. And if there really was a secret deformed heir living inside the castle's walls, a whole lot of people were having a difficult time keeping it a secret. One suggestion has been made is that the legend of the monster of Glarms actually stems from an unusual family portrait from more than 130 years before the story about the 11th Earl's son Thomas began. The painting still hangs in the castle today, and it depicts the third Earl of Strathmore and his three sons. The Earl actually had five children, but this particular portrait only depicts the Earl and his male heirs. What is unusual about the portrait is that it was painted in 1683 by artist Jacob DeWet. What makes this so unusual is that two of the Earl's sons, Charles and Patrick, were not born until 1692 and 1695, respectively, and that the middle son was recorded to have died in childbirth. It's not entirely unheard of for a wealthy aristocrat to prematurely commission a painting of his future heirs. It was even somewhat common for an artist to be instructed to paint a wealthy individual's infants as older. But according to some historians, it's this particular instance that birthed the rumor that the Earl's middle son didn't actually die in infancy, and was instead secretly raised away from prying eyes. And yet, despite this possible solution to the mystery, it's tantalizing to consider the timing of the legend of the monster of Glarm's. By the early 1900s, the stories about the monster all began to indicate that whoever, or whatever it may have been, died of old age. The New York Times picked up the stories in 1882 claiming a mysterious person died of old age inside the castle. In 1904, after the 13th Earl died, another article appearing in the New York Tribune suggested that whatever the secret of Glarm's castle was, that it died with him. The article even went on to point out that the new Earl of Strathmore was willing to lease out the family estate and probably wouldn't have been so willing to do so if there was a living prisoner hidden inside the walls. In truth, we'll likely never know if there's a secret chamber inside Glarm's castle, or if that room might have ever held a mysterious prisoner. On the surface, the story does sound outlandish. In 1905, the Earl of Crawford visited the estate and noted in his diary the Lyons family had a tendency to entertain themselves by making up ghost stories to scare one another. And yet, perhaps the most direct confirmation that the monster of Glarms might be real comes from Claude Bowes-Lyon, the 13th Earl of Strathmore, who was once quoted as saying, If you could even guess the nature of this castle's secret, you would get down on your knees and thank God it was not yours. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nate Hale, an entirely fictional identity. Thanks so much for listening. I have some new Patreon supporters to thank, Thank you to Tony, Nick, Aaron, Jeremy, Elle, Jasmine, and Becky. You're all incredible. Just a reminder that if you're interested in becoming a patron, you too can get all sorts of awesome bonuses, including stickers, magnets, t-shirts, and access to our ever-growing library of bonus mini-episodes. Besides Patreon, there are plenty of other ways you can help support the show, too. We have a new merch store where you can get all sorts of cool designs for conspirators' shirts, mugs, phone cases, and much, much more. Another great thing you can do is to subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts. By doing so, you raise us up in Apple's mysterious rankings, and that spreads the word to even more people. It's like a pyramid scheme, only a lot less sketchy. If you're not on Apple, not to worry, we're on most of your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify. You can also listen to our entire back catalog of shows on our website, theconspiratorspodcast.com. Elsewhere, check us out on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook feel free to drop us a line at any one of those locations or even send us an old-fashioned email at theconspiratorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time.